You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good evening, everybody. If I didn't get to welcome you already, it's so glad to see all of you out tonight. And those of you that are new to MCC, we especially welcome you. Well, right off the bat, every time we're together, we always celebrate life change. And last weekend, we saw Drew Weaver. Drew is the eight-year-old son of Adam, and Drew came and gave his life to Jesus Christ in baptism, and we're so excited for him and for his entire family, so let's, let's welcome him. Throughout the service, you've got that Connect card uh, that you received on the way in inside your program. That's your first link. That's your opportunity to share with us what's going on in your life. And out there in the crowd tonight, we have Craig and Diane Lilly. Craig, could you just wave at them back there? But they gave me permission. They've been worshiping with us for the last four or five weeks. They're friends of the Allen family that fill the rest of the row there. But Craig has been uh, diagnosed with cancer and has been going through treatments. And it was looking a little grim and that it was making its appearance in several places in his body. But this week, the scans came back very good. In fact, they believe it was a miracle. And so we celebrate with them what's going on. And so we want to celebrate with you. And if you'll let us know what's going on and how we can join you in prayer and encouragement throughout the week. And on the back of that card, you're going to see an opportunity to serve. We always have three fresh opportunities on there. And many of you have grabbed hold of those and have begun serving in some way. Uh, Right as soon as you fill that out, we're going to engage you that week and help you get connected. And so I hope you'll take time uh, to do that as well. Well, grab your Bible, and we're going to be two places in the Old Testament tonight as we begin this new series, Simplify. The first is in the book of Numbers. Numbers is found right at the beginning. You see Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. The fourth book in Numbers, chapter 13. And you can mark your place there. You can put a pen in there, your your program. And then I want you to turn two more books in. You're going to go past Numbers to Deuteronomy, and then you're going to come to the book of Joshua. And in Joshua, we're going to be in chapter 23, chapter 23 of Joshua. Now, we are a people, as the video exemplified, and as Dan mentioned, we're a people, right, that like to simplify things. I mean, things are simpler than ever. If you want groceries, what do you do? You pick up your phone, you make a list. In fact, it'll make a list for you now. If you're a regular shopper at Kroger or JC, you make your list, you hit go, and it'll send it to the store, and they'll meet you at the curb with your groceries. Now, sometimes they're the groceries you want. Sometimes they make some substitutes. I personally like to go when I'm hungry and shop throughout the store for what I want and get all of those extra things. But we've got that. We've got, we've got algorithms, right? We've created these algorithms that, that are used on social media to make sure that you only see the content that they want you to see, right? It's called censorship. And so we've got these algorithms that, that simplify that. Someone doesn't have to sit behind the screen anymore and make sure that they divvy out what you should see and what you shouldn't see. They, they've got all that figured out for you, simplifying things. We declutter, right? We build tiny houses. We have church online. You you don't even have to get out of bed now. You can just tune us in and watch church online. We have Amazon. Won't be long, and they'll be dropping the little packages off on your 
porch. I love to see the memes. We've got several UPS drivers. I don't think we have any FedEx drivers, but I like to see the memes of how the FedEx driver just pulls up and kicks the package out in the driveway. But we've got all of these things that simplify us and life. Yet more than ever, more than ever, relationships are complicated. More complicated than they've, they've ever been. More than ever, our schedules are, are complicated. No matter how we've simplified them with, with automatic reminders and schedule makers, raising children is, is complicated. Finding balance in life. We've even complicated our sexuality. It used to be is male or female. Now you've got, you can choose anywhere between, or at least that's what the world says. God designed life for the Christ follower to be anything, anything but complicated. In fact, the whole notion behind this series, Simplify, is this. Aligning with God's commands and precepts will simplify your life. It doesn't make it more complicated. It makes it more simple. His commands, they uncomplicate. They reduce to what's essential, and they get right to the heart of real living. Now tonight, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, we're introduced to a young man. And the thing I love about Joshua is his whole life is chronicled from beginning to end. We can see him, and that's where we're going to start tonight. At the very end of his life is he makes this dying declaration. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to look at some of the choices that he made that simplified some really difficult situations that he's faced with that you and I are faced with today. I want you to listen to his words there in chapter 23, verse 14. Follow along with me. He gathers the group of people around him that he cares the most about, and he says, now I'm about to go the way of the earth. Do you understand what that means? Uh, Moses did this, now Joshua does this. He, he calls the people together and he says, let me tell you, let me tell you what matters in life. Let me tell you about the things that are most important. He says, you know with all your heart and your soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Now there's some of us in this room that don't know that yet. These songs that we just sang, they sing of this. They sing of our experience with God and, and understanding his promises. And it's only if we lean into his promises, it's only if we choose to live by his precepts and commands that we understand that he's a promise keeper, that he's good on what he says. And in here I can imagine Joshua, even though he's at the end of his life, I can see him standing up. And I can see him leaning in and looking people in the eye. And he's like, you know this about God. You know all the promises that he's made. He's been good on every one of them, right? You know, and he's asking for this response, this acknowledgement. Every promise, he says, has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But, but. He says, just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil he has threatened until he has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. 
You see, there's always a choice. The choice is to align your life with his promises and his commands, his, his precepts, and you can see that his promises are good and true, or you don't. Or you don't. And you see that what he has threatened, you see that life without him is not good. In fact, it's very, very complicated. Until he has destroyed you from this good land he's given you. The Apostle Paul described the choice this way in the New Testament book of Romans. He says, for those who live according to the flesh. What's that mean? That, that means by our own human desire. Our wants, the things that we think that we need, our desire for immediate gratification. For those who live according to that, their minds... They set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, God, set their minds on things of God. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? It's death. It's always death. There's always a dead end. But to set the mind on what God says, what the Spirit says, is life and peace. Life. To the full, peace, a satisfaction, a confidence, a belief that God is good on every promise that he's made. And so Joshua, he gathers all the people around him, all of those who matter most. Joshua's a leader. You, you may not remember this, but, but Moses, we, we talked about in this song, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. Right, I'm calling on the God of Moses who led the people out of captivity, right? Who faced these giants in the new promised land. When Moses died, it was Joshua that God chose to lead the people into the promised land. Moses got to start the journey, but Joshua's the one that finished it. Joshua has fulfilled what the Lord's asked him to do. He's been faithful all of his life, and he gathers the people around, and he shares this infamous challenge. Keep reading with me in chapter 24, verse 15. Many of you have heard this. Some of you have got it above the doorframe in your home. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river <coughs> Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. Now, there are three significant truths that Joshua points us to. And these three truths are going to come up over and over again in these series as we look at very specific areas of our life that need to be simplified, that can be simplified by aligning with God's commands. But tonight, I want to give you three overall Truths that Joshua points the people to that he himself discovered in choosing God in the most challenging moments of life. And the first is this. I will serve someone or something. We all will serve someone or something, but the choice of who or what I serve is mine alone. No one forces you, and no one can choose for you. You and I choose alone who or what we serve. Now I want you to go back and look there at verse 15. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served or the gods of the Amorite. What he's saying is, listen, you've seen how your parents lived, and haven't we? 
You've seen how your parents lived. You've heard their stories of their disobedience. How many of us have heard stories? Sometimes even our parents tell us. They tell us about the old days, the days when they were growing up, and the choices that they made. And they do this, some of them, to warn us, please don't go down this path. And here, here he's saying, you've heard the stories of their defiance. And if you don't know who he's talking about, these were people who sacrificed their children. We've talked before about how we sacrifice our children every day to little G gods of this world. Now, now here, they would actually tie their children up, throw them into the fire as a literal sacrifice. We all, oh, we don't do that. Well, well, sometimes they'd probably be better off than some of the things that we subject them to. You've heard the stories about the golden calves, the wild parties, the constant complaining, the bondage of slavery. You've seen how they died. They died in the desert, their own desert, doing their own thing, resisting God, trading it for what would provide instant gratification, never seeing all the amazing things that God promised. This is what he's saying. But deep inside, they knew, and you and I know today, that there is a better way. But nonetheless, he says, this is your choice. You, you can serve what your fathers and your forefathers, you can serve all of these other things. Or, you know, Jesus was right, wasn't he, when he said, narrow is the road. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. But the thing I want to show you tonight is that Joshua found it. Joshua found it early in life. Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, Joshua is but a youth. He's but a youth. He's barely a man. Joshua's traveling with Moses, who's leading God's people on this journey from Egypt. They're barely out of Egypt, remember? the plagues that God sent so that <clears throat> the Egyptians would, the Pharaoh would release God's people, over half a million of them that had been held in captivity for over 400 years, enslaved. And God made a promise to them. He said, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you to a place where the houses are already built for you, <laughs> where there's already food and vineyards planted that are ripe and ready for you to pick. I'm going to lead you to this place. I promise you. Their escape from Egypt was miraculous, to say the least. God brought these plagues. Remember the plagues, the, the frogs, the gnats, the, the Nile that turned to blood. You can go back and you can read all of this in the Old Testament. God did all of these miraculous signs so that the people would, would be let go. Within days of leaving, a half a million of them came to the bank of the Red Sea. You remember what happened then? They were right there. They were surrounded by water, and they could see the dust. They could feel the ground shake as the hundreds upon thousands of Egyptians were in pursuit as Pharaoh had changed his mind and said, I want them back. I want them back enslaved. Who's going to make the bricks for us? Who's going to build these things that we need built? And faced with that moment, what did God do? God literally split a sea. 
so that a half a million people could walk on dry ground to safety to the other side. And as soon as all of Pharaoh's men get down in that seabed, what does he do? He closes it up over top of them. No one could do that. Nothing could do that. It wasn't some natural phenomena that occurs every 300 years. But God did that. It was miraculous. God fed them every day with bread that fell from heaven. You heard of manna? Manna fell every day. He fed this growing population of people every day the food that they needed. If they didn't like the bread, he sent quail. I don't know if they had gravy and potatoes with it, but, but it didn't matter. They had enough to eat. They got thirsty. They ran out of bottled water. What did he do? Well, he had Moses go and take a staff and hit the rock. And what happened to the rock? A spring would burst forth, and they'd fill up all their water jugs with that. God himself would lead them with a pillar of fire that was so big in the sky at night that it lit it up like the daytime. But during the day, he was a cloud, a cloud that could bring such darkness that he could hide them in an instant like that when he needed to protect them. And having seen all of these things, God brings them to the edge of this promised land and God commands Moses to send in some guys to check things out. You remember 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good? He sent in the 12 and verse 17 through 20 says, for 40 days these 12 men, not just any men, these leaders of the tribes, these men go in, they explore the land in verse 27. Look at their report. Look at their report, and I want you to remember this, though, against all of the things that they had seen God do, okay? In just a short amount of time, less than a year, they've experienced God parting a Red Sea, God sending all of those plagues, and then, and then stopping them just like that, the water coming from a rock, all of the manna from heaven. Listen to what they say. We went into the land that you sent us into, Moses, and it's exactly, it's exactly as God said it was going to be, but the people who live there are giants. They're powerful. The cities are fortified. And they go down this list of all the reasons why they should choose to go back. And soon every one of them had gathered around to hear the report were saying the same thing. In fact, it got so bad, they wanted to stone Moses right there. Not have a party and stone him, but literally stone him. And they wanted to go back to the place God had rescued them from just, just less than a year earlier, Egypt. Now, does that ring a bell with anybody yet? In your life, when you're faced with a relationship challenge, when you're a brand new daddy and you don't know what to do, but that baby is crying all night long and you just wish they would go back to where they came from. When things are tough at work, when things are a little bit crazy in the world. But Joshua and another young man named Caleb spoke up. Look at chapter 14, verse 6. There are numbers. Listen to what they said. They'd seen the same thing. The land we passed through and explored is good. If the Lord is pleased with us, and how is the Lord pleased with us, friends? Is it by us doing something really great and special? Is he pleased by the way that we, the way that we look and the way that we talk when we're gathered together? 
What's he pleased with? What does God desire? God desires a heart that's fully committed to him. That's all he wants from you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to be faithful to him. If God, if God is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land because they will, he will swallow them up. We will swallow them up by his power. Their protection's gone, but the Lord, he's with us. Don't be afraid. What was the difference? All 12 had seen the same things. All 12 had seen the giants. All 12 had seen how fortified the cities are. You can see it, can't you? The choice isn't whether or not to take the city. It's much bigger than that. The choice is who are we going to serve? This is, what, this is what he was talking about when he stood before the people and he said, are you going to serve the gods that your parents served or are you going to serve the one and only? Will you serve the God who splits the seas and feeds a half a million people every day, produces water from a rock, who keeps his every promise? Or are you going to serve the limitations of your own strength? And all of the people, all of them, not just the ten, but all of them chose, all of them chose the flesh. They chose fear. And in so doing, they chose death. Death in the form of a 40-year journey. You see, they were right there within within a year, within months, frankly, of the fulfilled promise. But in choosing, in choosing what they thought was only within their power, in choosing to not follow the commands and the precepts of God, they received death in the form of a 40-year journey in which an entire generation would die without ever seeing the promised land. So here's the second truth. And that is every choice I make impacts my life and the life of those around me. Yes, you get to choose. No one can choose for you. You get to choose. But every choice that you make impacts not only you, but the lives of those around you, if not directly, at least indirectly. Now, I want you right now, this is, this is open participation. This is stump the pastor night. It's a very dangerous thing that we do every once in a while. But I want you, just as quick as you can, I want you to write down at least two or three things, two or three choices that you make every day in life that have no impact on anyone else. No, no impact on anyone else. Go, go ahead and write them down. All the choices that you, you get to make that have zero impact on anyone else. Adults. You guys have had a lot longer to practice this in life, right? Your body's yours. Your mind, your belongings, they're yours. So tell me, tell me some of the choices that you, you have to make that, that don't affect anyone else besides you. I have to tell you this week, the one that I came to my mind was Bacon. Right? I, I can eat bacon and it doesn't affect anybody else. Doesn't impact anybody else, right? No. I came up with at least 40 people that are impacted when I eat bacon. Right? The person, I, I thought about you guys and your daughter. 
Emma back there and the, the hogs that she raises. Some, somebody had to raise that hog, right? I, I doubt, you know, if you've ever met Emma, she doesn't slaughter her own hogs. But somebody had to slaughter that hog. Somebody had to slice it into little pieces. Somebody had to put it in that fancy package, right? It says Meyer bacon or Walmart bacon, whatever. It all comes from the same hog, but whatever label they put on it. All right, somebody had to, to package it for you. Somebody had to load it in a truck. Somebody had to drive that truck. Somebody had to unload that truck. Somebody had to put it on the shelf at the Walmarts. When you ordered it on your telephone, because life is so simple for you, they had to put it in a sack, go pull it. You know, those people are blocking aisles or in the way all the time. I like to go shop for what I, and they got these big carts out right in the way every day. But they're in there filling your order. They have to bring it out to your car. They have to ask you to open your trunk. They put it in your trunk. Then you take it home. You take it home, you put it in a refrigerator. Somebody made. Okay, did you come up with one? Besides the, a choice that doesn't affect anybody? Okay, that's, yeah. Okay, anybody else know? You, you see where I'm getting. It gets ridiculous. You eat the bacon, somebody's got to make the toilet paper for you, right? I mean, we just go on down the line. Somebody has to work the septic system, right? Thank goodness for plumbers. You get the whole picture. I submit to you. I submit to you that every choice we make in life affects not only your life, but the lives of those around you. And that's the point that Joshua makes in chapter 24, verse 15. Back to that original challenge. He says, but as for me and my house. Now you think that he's just deciding that for his house, but he's not. He realizes that every choice he makes affects someone else, especially those that are under his roof anyone that's within his influence, his, his household, those servants that he had, everything. It affects more than just one person. He also understood that choosing obedience simplified life for him. And it simplified life for his household. God provides instruction and precepts Proven ways for work and relationship, emotional and spiritual peace, wisdom, understanding, spiritual truth, discernment that simplifies life, removes regret, brings blessing. The psalmist captured it all. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night chooses obedience. And when he does, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, a tree that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf never withers. Whatever he does prospers. Obedience, alignment with his precepts, simplifies. But disobedience, on the other hand, brings complications. And Joshua understood this that the choices that he made could complicate his family, his household. Complications not only in your life, but in the life of others. Children, let me just give you a few examples. Maybe you're struggling with today. Children who are taught that, that we attend church, kids, when, when it's convenient for us. I don't tell my kids that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. 
half of our congregation right, right tonight. You say, well, it's pretty full. Well, it, you guys are, are, are not even half of the number of people who come here every month in this service. Half of them have chosen to be someplace else tonight. Now, hopefully they'll be here tomorrow, but chances are they won't be. We teach our children this. Children, church, being in the gathering, it's at your convenience. It's when it works for you. It isn't a necessary thing. And then when your children's life comes off the rails, when their life comes off the rails, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, and they have no history with God, and then all of a sudden we ask them, please just trust God with the big things, but yet they've had no experience in trusting him. It's what happens. It complicates things when we choose disobedience. Individuals who choose to marry someone who isn't a Christ follower, but they're such a great person. They were such a good friend. They're such a good provider. And then all of a sudden you find yourself at odds when they ask you, well, why, why would you give a tithe of your money to, to the church? We don't need to do that. Well, honey, you, you know I believe this way since we were married. Yeah, but we, we don't need to do that. And there's a number one thing that the couples fight about is money. Time spent at church. You love those people more than you love me. Well, why? And then when your teenage children, your teenage children come to collide and they begin to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, no, you, you can't make that decision. Dad will never go along with it. Oh, you were raised this way. No, you can't do that. Youth who felt the call to go to vocational ministry but ignored it to attend college where they could play ball and earn a degree in biology only to graduate and to have no purpose in their work. All because no one bothered to explain what God was showing them all through the formative years of their life when they were growing up that they should trust him with their future. Women who regret having a one-night stand, who 21 weeks later, that one-night stand drives them to an abortion clinic because she didn't feel like she had any other choice. And the complications that have followed have brought a lifetime of regret. You see, every choice I make impacts my life and the lives of those around me. How have you chosen well, you can look. You can look at the complications that it's brought to your life. Finally, Joshua presents us with perhaps the greatest reality when it comes to the choices we make in verse 15 when he declares, as for me and my house, we will. We will serve the Lord. Will serve the Lord. Not we will try not we will do our best. He doesn't qualify it by saying we'll serve when we're able. We'll serve when time allows. Oh, uh, we're going to serve once we get through this season of our life, when things settle down just a little bit. 
No. We will serve with everything. We will. I, I share with you all the time. I have guys, that ladies, they stop by and they've got something going on in their life and they say, I'm going to try so hard this week to apply what you said. I'm like, well, you might as well not do it at all. If you're going to try, just do it. Decide that you're going to do it and do it. Stop saying you're going to try. Try is just a cop out. That's why Joshua says we will. You see, he is determined. He is set. It's already been decided. And that's this final point. When we decide that God gets it all, when I choose God, when I choose God, I simplify every other choice that follows. You see, the moment that you and I choose God and his commands, his precepts for our life, every other choice has been decided. It's just a matter of whether we're going to live through it and embrace it or not. See, when I choose God, the choice of what my work ethic will be is already made. I'm to work as if I'm working for the Lord. When I choose God, how I prioritize my finances has already been made. He gets the first 10%. Back at my house, he gets about 18%. It's the only way I can keep Sarah from spending it all. When I choose God, my marriage and the choices that I make, who I'll marry, how I will love, how I'll forgive, the kindness that I show, all of that's been decided. My relationship with my children, when I choose God, where my children will be, what my children will do, what my children will look at and what they won't look at, who their friends will be, who their friends won't be, who they date, who they don't date. It's all been, it's all been decided. When I choose God, my relationship with the church has been decided. I can't love God and hate his church. They're a package deal. How I use my time, you get it. The choices are already made. Is it really that simple? Yes. Now let me tell you how. Three questions. Three questions that you and I should ask ourselves when faced with any choice. Any choice. It works every time. All right? The first question is this. Does the choice I'm about to make honor God? Okay, that, that's simple, guys. The choice that I'm about to make right now, when I look on my phone, when I decide, hey, I'm going to skip the gathering tonight, you know, if, if we were keeping track of attendance, I've like attended enough church in my life that I could take off now and have the next 30 years free. For several years, three services on a Sunday, right? Hours there on Wednesday. Sunday nights, I mean, if you add them all up, we're going by the letter of the law, I'd be done already. I'd spend the rest of it free. Does the choice I'm about to make honor God? Does dating an unbeliever, friends, does that honor God? Yes or no, right now? Does it honor God? Aren't you going to convince them to save them? 
No, it's not how it works, is it? It's not what you're taught. I'm going to go into debt so that I can work more hours and be away from my family. Does that honor God? But I really want that new truck. Who cares if it's the price of my first house? Does the choice I'm about to make honor God, yes or no? If the answer is no, don't do it. Number two, does the choice I'm about to make help me fulfill the roles that God's entrusted to me, yes or no? If the answer is no, don't do it. If you're a dad and the choice that you're about to make is going to impact your ability to be a dad in a negative way, then don't do it. it it's that simple. It, it's yes or no. Well, somebody, no, remember, remember number one, you and I choose. Nobody chooses for us. We choose. If you're a youth leader, does the choice help or does the choice take away? Number three, does the choice I'm about to make help expand the kingdom? The first two don't get it, this one will. Does the choice I'm about to make help expand the key kingdom? Does getting drunk with friends help expand the kingdom? Is, that, is your chance of bringing them to Christ or introducing them to Christ after getting drunk with them, after having sex with them, after smoking pot with them, does that, does that help expand the kingdom? How about choosing not to tithe? How about cursing the referee? Any of those things help grow the kingdom, help you be a better in your role as a parent? Does it honor God? Then don't do it. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He'll be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. <laughs> you remember Psalm 1 just a minute ago? This says, blessed is he who doesn't walk in the path of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers, but delights in the law of the Lord, right? What's he like? Does he dry up? Does he wither? No, the complete opposite. Cursed, what does it mean? Well, it means life's complicated unnecessarily. Simple as that. What we're trying to achieve will not be achieved. It means that we distance ourselves from God's blessing and life as it was intended to be. Now, I don't have to give examples of what it is to live cursed because we know that all too well. And that's what Joshua said. Joshua said, are you going to do what you've seen done all around you, even what your ancestors have done, even people in your own household? Are you going to choose differently? Are you going to choose differently? A life of serving him. It's a choice that only we can make. In fact, Joshua said, choose for yourself this day. It's a choice that we make every day, every day. Every day, whether we will serve him or we will serve those other things, complicate our lives. Tonight, I'd simply ask you, who have you chosen? Who are you choosing right now? And has who or what you've chosen brought complication 
or has it simplified things? There's only one, and there's only one way that simplifies things. His name's Jesus Christ. He couldn't make it any more simple. He took all of the load. He paid all of the price so that we would say yes to him. And so tonight, I invite you to take that first step toward simplifying your life today to accept him as Savior and Lord of your life. And if you have, if you have, but yet you didn't understand how all of these other things play in, well, the next several weeks, we're going to help you understand that. And let's say that you already realized that, that you have complicated your life again. It's okay. Most all of us have been there. Most all of us have done that. Today's your opportunity to choose differently, to say, God, I want to choose you again. I don't like the way that life's going. Here I am. Will you take me back? And he's already answered that. Absolutely. Come home. Recommit yourself to him. Start simplifying life at home, at work, school, church. Walk with him. Let's stand together and let's sing.